Good morning. It feels really, really good to, to be here, to be in this place. I, um, as soon as I walked in this auditorium, I started having flashbacks of many, many games of sardines I played in this building. And I, I have mastered every spot in here. So if you want to play afterwards, we're going to play. I'm going to win. But I have played a lot of games of hide-and-seek and sardines in here from my days. As they mentioned, I was a youth minister here for a really long time, um, from 2004 to 2012. And just really, really great memories for Shannon and I. That was a very accurate um, description of my interview process and me getting hired was just simply because of Shannon. Um, it's just quite, quite pretty easy. Um, it, it was a really great time for me uh, to be here. I, I do apologize if you don't know me. I've got a, a little intro here. I just want to share a few memories I have from this place. So my apologies if you're like, man, what's going on? But uh, really great memories for us as we were here. Uh, you guys mentioned the Easter egg thing, and I remember wearing the Easter bunny costume when I was here. Um, not, not my greatest memory here, but it, was, it happened. I'll, I'll acknowledge it at least. Um, but a lot of good memories while we were here. A lot of, a lot of moments that happened, a lot of things. I always tell people I, I got two ministry degrees, but Ocrest is what formed me. Ocrest is where I learned to become a minister. It's where I learned uh, to be a better father, a better husband. Um, as Shannon and I were just beginning uh, our lives together, we, I just graduated college, we'd just gotten married, and we really learned a lot here. It was very forming for us to be here. We were here, uh, Shannon walked through PA school, uh, we were here, we remember um, the moment we got a picture of Tate, and a bunch of people came to our house uh, to celebrate with us, and we remember coming back uh, with Tate and those moments and Reagan being born um, and just a lot of really, really good memories here uh, for us. Uh, I was digging through old pictures um, and just really walking down memory lane for me, just thinking about all the trips we took, um, all the different uh, moments I had. And it really was just a really great experience overhaul, overall. My time here working here, I worked with a few different ministers, uh, one of those being Scott. Um, which taught me a lot about ministry. I remember the first meeting I was in here, I remember just walking out of our first minister's meeting, and I remember calling Shannon and just going, man, I'm in way over my head. I have no idea what we just talked about for like two hours. <laughs> but it was kind of taking a sip from a fire hydrant. It was a moment for me that I just was learning. And Scott taught me what it looked like to be professional in, in ministry, what it meant to be at my best, to give my quality to God and to a congregation. I worked with Mark Hale for a brief time. Um, and, and man, Mark was very good for me because occasionally, still today, occasionally I'll get kind of stressed about something and I'll think, what would Mark do in this scenario? And he would go, Brian, it'll be fine. It'll be just fine. And if you know Mark, you know that's some, one of his lines. And it usually was when he was around. Everything was fine when he was around. I worked with Jim Weaver, uh, who taught me to be very contemplative, who made me think differently about ministry and about life. I worked with Paul Silvestri for a little while. My very first sermon here, I have on tape, I've never watched it again and I never want to. But Paul walked in my office that Monday and he said, bro, and you can say a lot of stuff if you lead with bro or dude, you know what I mean? And he said, bro, do you know how many times you said um? And I was like, Paul, get out of my office, man. And he just kept on. I was like, seriously, I can beat you up. Get out of my office. And a few weeks later, him and Scott and I think Mark at the time, I can't remember, they assigned me to teach the chapel class 
And I was like, hey, fellas, you, you hired me to be a youth minister, and there's no youth in the chapel class. <laughs> and they're like, no. And I kind of was like, I was like, no, I don't want to. I'm not doing it. And they made me go do it for a quarter. I taught First Peter. And I'll never forget that. I don't think I taught real well, but I walked out with a lot of confidence. And I, I think some of you were probably in there because those people loved me. They, 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 they just loved on me. I felt like I was someone's a grandson to all of them. And they really, I really did feel good about teaching because of their encouragement in that moment there. Uh, I worked with Ben Glover, who is the ultimate encourager. Uh, a lot of free therapy from that guy. A lot of, a lot of good moments with him. Uh, I worked with John Pickens, who taught me a lot of things. was very forming. And some children's ministers. Um, that just I really, really loved beginning to partner with them and thinking about Oakcrest families and, and trying to cast a vision for that with them. A lot of really, really great memories here. I remember walking through my first summer, um, a, a whole summer, and, and Glenn Dick did literally everything with me. I think that first picture I have is of Glenn. Do you have that up there? Just a classic trust fall. <laughs> and I remember walking through the whole summer, and I was, I mean, I just out of college, I didn't really know what I was doing. Glenn did every single thing with me, and I remember at the end of the summer, I said, Glenn, we were going somewhere locally. I said, Glenn, I, I got it. You can go home. And he said, you, really, for real, you think I can go home? I said, man, I got it. You can go home. And I think we almost killed you that summer, Glenn, as we started off, but he did everything with me, and it was always with me through a lot of things. Uh, I remember this moment, that next slide, uh, at the family retreat, Shannon and I made our rap debut. Um, <laughs> And I think, are we doing that to afterwards? We're still going to do it? Okay. Um, we did our rap debut um, at the family retreat one year. And then this last, this next memory is just this, I'll give you a glimpse of how it, how it ended. Um, this was my house. I got this phone call about 8 o'clock. And somebody said, Brian, they're coming. I was like, wait, who's coming? Like, I was getting guns out. I was like, what are we doing? What's going on? Like, who's coming? And they're like, there's a bunch of people coming to your house around 8. And I was like, okay. And they're like, they're going to toilet paper your house. So if you rewind about a month, we, me and Shannon were in Target. This was one of those moments I realized I really love Shannon. I said, Shannon, I found something I want to buy. And she's like, what is it? And I pulled up this costume. If you can hit that next one. Um, this, go ahead and hit one more. I pulled up this gorilla costume. It was $90. We didn't have any money. And, and I was like, I want to buy this. She's like, buy it. And this was the first moment we got to use it. So I waited around the side of the fence all these kids come to our front yard, and I ran out in this gorilla costume. I think there's one more picture of the whole squad. I don't know how you get to toilet paper someone's house and then come inside and hang out, but they, they managed to master that. Uh, a lot of good memories here, a lot of good moments where we just um, got to experience things like that. I think there's a couple more of those. I, I also found a few other pictures, uh, one more of... This was one of probably 20, 30 houses we built in Honduras uh, when I was here uh, with Oak Crest, just doing missions in Honduras. Um, you can see Shannon and I and some other students. But this time was very forming for us. It was, um, it was good for us, the minister staff I worked with, the elders I worked with. Our youth ministry volunteers when I was here was, was second to none. Uh, just the best around. And actually, most of them could have done my job and done it really, really well. And I really was fortunate to have those people in my life um, and several students as well. That's some that I see here today that just uh, Shannon and I always said in our time here, all, all of our best friends when we were here were in junior high and high school. 
um, because it really was, we really felt that and we're really close to them. And I tell you all that, I know some of you are like, dude, longest intro ever, we get it, you liked it here. I tell you all of that to tell you it was very forming for us, but mostly to remind you if you've been here a long time or if this is your first Sunday here, that the Spirit of God lives in this place. It lives in these people, and we felt that. And so I just mostly just want to give you that testimony that the Spirit of God lives in this place, lives in these people. And, and when times, when, when you need someone to show up, Oak Crest is going to show up. And that's what I learned in my time here. I have a lot of really great memories and moments. I told him we'd preach on Philippians, so I'll move to that. And we're looking at Philippians 4. I told someone earlier I should not have followed the communications professor um, in preaching. That was my error. But Brian Simmons, I know, taught last week, and John and Luke spoke on Philippians. We'll close out in chapter 4 this morning. Before we dive into that, I want to show you a video. And in this video, the task is simple. They're going to tell you the instructions too, but just to make sure you get them. You're counting how many times the students pass the ball. It's really simple. You're going to count how many times the students pass the ball. Some of you may have seen this before. If you are, just be cool. Um, But you're going to count how many times the students pass the ball. We'll take a look at that. This is a test of selective attention. Count how many times the players wearing white pass the basketball. How many passes did you count? The correct answer is 15 passes. But did you see the gorilla? Some of you may have seen that video before, and, and some of you probably saw the gorilla. I remember the first time I watched it, I did not. I was so dialed in on the passes that I was like, no way a gorilla, that wasn't me, by the way, a gorilla walked through the screen during that. And it's because you're so focused on something, right? You're trying to pay attention. And I think in Philippians, a lot of what Paul is doing, a lot of what Paul is always doing is reminding us about something. He's trying to remind us that whatever we're focused on may not be what you need to be focused on. But we live in a distracted world. Get that next slide. Uh, Shannon and I went to Times Square uh, a couple different times. And there's a, a law in Times Square that you have to have a video if you have a business. You have to have a video screen. And you have to have that. It's, 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 it's law in New York City. Because they're trying to give you a message, right? They're trying to to send you some message. Whatever they're selling, they're trying to give it to you or explain it to you. And so you're distracted by a lot of things. You see a lot of messages each and every day. Uh, A few stats here. You get that next slide. Adults 18 to 25 years old send and receive about 128 texts every day. Actually, some of you might be like, no, it's like 300. Um, But you send 128 texts 
uh, every day. On average, Americans spend two hours and 54 minutes on their phones. And the average, that would be 44 days this year. 44 whole days this year, which is kind of, man, really makes you step, step back and think. 50% of Gen Z says they're more distracted because of their phone. And 36 say they are less productive because of it. Disney starts its marketing campaign on day one. They, their marketers sit down and go, how do we win over this, this newborn? And you see four to 10,000 ads each day, depending on where you live. And a lot of that is just simply because we are distracted. We are being sold messages over and over again. And we're consumed with thinking about all kinds of things in our world. We're consumed with thinking about all kinds of things in your life, whether that's your finances. I know probably each and every day some of you sit down and you think about, man, what is my money going? How do I make more money? And so we become distracted by it. Our job brings a lot of stress. What thing to buy next, whether you're trying to shop for a car or a computer. You're thinking about your kids, relationships, keeping the house clean, kids' sports, health, and whatever else keeps you awake at night. I got this text from my wife uh, a while back. I just wanted to read it to you uh, just to kind of give you a glimpse of our world and what we're doing. It says, Brian, Tate has a book club at 10 o'clock. Mary will pick him up and bring him home. He needs a swimsuit and a towel. Swimsuit and shirt should be on top of the dryer. He needs his robot book and $10. If he has $10, tell him we'll pay him back. You're going to see a theme here. <laughs> Reagan has basketball at 11. She needs to be ready at 1030. Mom will take her. I'll have mom call Reagan's phone so she doesn't come inside and see the boys because if the boys see Gigi, it's game over. Tell Brooklyn, the babysitter, these plans. Reagan can fix the boys' lunch when she gets back from basketball. Cooper's party is at 3.30. Mom will take them. Kelly will pick up Tate. You will pick up Reagan. Cooper's party is at... Th you guys think I'm almost done. I'm not. I'm still going. This is one day. Cooper's party is at 3.30. Mom will take them. Kelly will pick up Tate. You will pick up Reagan. Oh, I read that part. They both need a swimsuit and a towel. There are some birthday cards in the closet on the shelf. They're in a thin green box. Should be easy to see, but call me if you can't. You know I called her, 100%. There's no, it's not like call me if you can't. She should just say call me. Have Tate get Cooper a birthday card, and guess what? Tell him to put $20 in it and pay him back. If he Tate needs to take his Taekwondo stuff to Cooper's. Kelly will take him to Taekwondo. Stress to him the importance of talking to Dee about testing for his next strike. And I tell you that not to say our world is super busy. Actually, it is. But your world is super busy, too. You have a lot of things you're trying to balance and juggle. You have a lot of things in your world you're trying to figure out. You go, man, how do I, how do I manage all this stuff? And that's why you need a Shannon, right? you got to have one. I mean, that's, why, that's, that's what it is. Most of you listen to that and you're like, man, he's not on top of anything at all. But we are distracted. We have a lot of things going on in our world. Philippians 4, really, I would say, if you're just wanting to talk about worry, is one of the main chapters that talks about worry. It has a lot of material in it, but one main theme you can see in it is this idea of worry. You think of Matthew 6, where Jesus is not just being proverbial, but he's saying, look, I'm asking you not to worry about things. I'm telling you not to worry. I've taken care of all the other things. I'll take care of you too. And Philippians 4, Paul's 
has a lot of that content in it. And I want to think about that, but I also want to think about where he tries to take their mind after he, he speaks that to them. He's telling them not to worry and bring things to prayer, but then he also tells them, hey, refocus where your mind's at. Chapter 4, verse 4, he says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts on, and your minds in Christ Jesus. One of my favorite lines, simply because it's a clap. You guys know that verse. You know why? Because we've prayed a peace that surpasses understanding for a really long time, right? So my, and, and all my dad's prayers growing up. So he's talking about this peace that you can get that only God can provide that will pass all the things you're worried about. Verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, best line in here, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God, the same God of the peace that surpasses understanding, will be with you. You see, Paul is reminding them there's no need for you to worry because God can provide a peace that only He can give. And he's telling them, bring it to God in prayer. But then he reminds them to focus on something different. And he goes to the series of whatevers. The first one he says, he says, whatever is true... Think about that. Dr. Walter Covert reported a survey on worry that indicated that only 8% of things people worry about were legitimate matters of concern. The other 92 were either imaginary, never happened, or involved matters over which people had no control of anyways. And part of that is because Satan is a liar. The Bible says he's the father of lies and he wants you to believe that you need to sit and worry about all the things we mentioned. Whatever keeps you up at night, he really, really wants you to sit in that and be distracted by that thing. Whatever thing he's trying to tell you, you have to remind yourself what Paul's telling the, the church there. Think about whatever is actually true. The next one he says is whatever is honest and just. I look back to 2020 and I know, I know we've overtalked that. But as I look back to it and I look at the last couple years, it really was hard. It was difficult. But I think part of why it was difficult because of what happened, part of it was difficult because of all the things, all the conversation that came with it. I can think of many of my relationships, some very close, that I had to talk about all the hard things that came with it, right? As a church, you guys had to talk about it. You had to think about when can we meet again? Should we wear a mask? Should we not wear a mask? Can I go out to eat? Can I not go out to eat? And all the other things that came with it, all the political things. And it began to wear on me. It began to make me think about how much was really happening versus how much 
we were talking about it that made the stress come in. Paul's saying, think about whatever is honest, whatever is just. It means worthy of respect and right. There are many things that we don't need to dwell in. There are many things we don't need to think about. It doesn't mean we hide our head on things. It doesn't mean we, we, we just forget about them. And you may be sitting there going, well, well, Brian, what are the things? What are the list of things we need to think about then? But that's for you to decide. You have to weigh what is God telling me in His Word that is worthy of me thinking about? What is worthy of me advocating for? Paul says whatever is true, whatever is honest, whatever is just. The next one he says is whatever is pure and whatever is lovely. Major in the high and noble thoughts, not the base thoughts that our world puts before us. But whatever is pure and whatever is lovely, think about those things. From a pastoral view, it's what designates what good leaders ought to exhibit. In Proverbs, it's about wisdom and us learning. This is the things, this is how I present myself. I, I don't have to teach you about social media. You've probably already learned, maybe firsthand, there's certain things you just don't touch on a computer screen because what happens? It gets to a place that's unhealthy. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely. He says, whatever possesses virtue and praise. If it has virtue, it will motivate us to do better. If it has praise, it is worth commanding, commending others. No Christian can afford to waste your mind power on thoughts that bring people down. I watched a movie the other day. I watched a whole movie, two hours long. And in about one hour and about 50 minutes, I looked at Shannon and I go, I've seen this movie. <laughs> she goes, what do you mean you've seen this movie? I said, I've seen this movie. I just remembered. She goes, you just watched an hour and 50 minutes of it. I said, yeah, I didn't remember any, not one second of it. And at the very end, I was like, yep. Which is great to have a simple mind because you can just rewatch movies and you're like, oh, cool, this is so funny. And you don't know what's going to happen. But it's like sometimes we do that with our faith and with God. We have this spiritual amnesia where we forget about all the things God has done. We forget about all that, that God has called us to. We lose track of things because we are so distracted thinking about things that the world presents and puts before us. Paul's reminding us to think about these moments. And I couldn't help but think of Paul's asking us to walk in rhythm with God's Spirit. I thought of the fruits of the Spirit, that next slide. The fruit of the Spirit, you know them. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Paul is telling us you have to walk in rhythm with God's Spirit. You have to keep your mind focused on eternal things. Paul in another place says, think about what is unseen, not what is seen. Because what you see is temporary and what is unseen is eternal. You see, you and I, we get caught up in the world's conversation, but we can't. We have to think about other things. We have to be positive. Let me get that next one. We have to be flexible. We have to be loving. We have to think about eternal things. 
I think of Romans 12 where it says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. So many times you and I are trying to figure out what God is saying. Maybe you've said this line before recently. You've said, I just don't feel God. Part of that maybe is because you haven't listened. You've been so distracted by other things. You haven't paused for a moment to see what really, really matters. As a church family, it sometimes is hard. It's hard not to constantly think about what you want. It's hard to not constantly think about how you want the walls to be painted a certain color or the thermostat to be the way you want it. Or you want the vision to be when, when really God's going, you're missing the point of church. Church is about doing it together and it's going to be hard. It's always going to be difficult. If you want to switch churches, you can do that. You're going to find the same scenario there. I love Acts 2 because it gives us this perfect picture. And I believe it in the believe God's Spirit was in that moment. We saw all these baptisms and we saw all these people sharing what they had in common. But I promise you, as time went on, at some point, someone was like, how many, how many pieces of bread did you just take? Right? Because you begin to think about well, what, what, what's best for me? What do I get from this? Because we are human and we are flawed. It's hard. Conversations are difficult. Relationships are difficult. I think Paul is reminding the church there to refocus on some things. He's going, you, you guys have been talking about stuff that quite honestly, I don't even know, we could totally have avoided if you would change your perspective, if you would change your mindset. In 2012, my mom passed away and she had come home for hospice care and was there for maybe a month. It was a long month and I spent a lot of time there. And One day she was really tired and my dad said, hey Brian, just, my mom had a lot of visitors, especially as, as we got close to her, her dying. And, uh, she was a school teacher in the community and, and worked a lot with our church and a lot of people came by. And dad said, hey, we just watch the door for a little while. Mom's going to go to sleep. I'm going to go to sleep. I said, yeah. And when, you, when you get in that mode, you've been doing it for a while. I was kind of in protector mode already. So I was like, okay, anybody that comes in, mom's trying to sleep. I got this. So a couple, actually a couple people came by. It's like, hey, mom's asleep. And, uh, and then somebody else was like, well, I really want to see her. I was like, dude, I will fight you right here if you're trying. And I was like, she's asleep right now. You, you got to go away. And then this car pulls in. And this older lady gets out. Older lady I hadn't seen in about 20 years. And she used to go to our church, and it didn't end well. They left our church, and um, I hadn't seen her. I to my knowledge, Mom hadn't talked to her in 20 years. And I was like, man, what is she doing here? That's really odd. I'm going to have to fight an 85-year-old woman. This is going to be weird. No, I didn't really think but she shows up and she walks in and I'm thinking, and so I, I see her coming and I run back inside. I say, hey, mom, this lady's here. She goes, yeah, I know she's coming. Tell her to come in. And so I said, hey, how are you? I said, mom said you can come in. And so they sit and visit for about an hour. And I know nothing about that conversation. I don't know really what happened 20 years ago. I just know it wasn't good. And they talked for about an hour, and I came back in after she left. I said, Mom, is, that, is everything good there? Is everything cool? And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. 
This is great. This is really, really good. She says, we just need to have that conversation for about 20 years. And can I tell you something that didn't matter in that moment? Whatever happened 20 years ago didn't matter at that time. Because my mom is days away from leaving this earth. And whatever thing happened 20 years ago was absolutely irrelevant in that moment. Was there some sorries and some forgiveness? Sure. But they quickly moved past that and went on to life and faith and talking about things that mattered. You see, you and I have to keep that perspective. James says, but a mist that appears for a little while and then goes away. Paul is constantly trying to get you to think about eternal things. There's a comedian named Michael Jr. I want to show you a video clip. And he, he asked this gentleman to sing two different verses of Amazing Grace. Uh, just take a look at it and I'll explain it in a minute. So you're a musical director. Cool. Yes, sir. All right, so um, let, me get a couple, let me get a couple bars of like uh, Amazing Grace. Can you do the first part of that? Let me, go ahead. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Wow. That bro could sing. You know what I'm saying? All right, all right. Uh, now, once you give me the version, is if. Uh, your uncle just got out of jail. You got shot in the back when you was a kid. I'm just saying, let me see the hood version real quick. If you know which version I'm talking about, just see if that exists. Let me see what you got. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound Michael Jr. goes on to explain that the first time he asked him to do it, he knew what he was doing. Second time he asked him to do it, he knew why he was doing it. I think you have to ask yourself, what's your why? Why do I wake up in the morning? And it's just simply the answer you already know. The simple answer is that you were put here and formed here to praise God. You were put here and formed here to live out his mission. And all the other things you're thinking about, I get how they're a distraction. I get how they're, you're like, well, who's going to take care of the kids? You have to put those inside of that too. Why do you live this life? What's your why? We're going to pause here for a moment to take the Lord's Supper. And I think it's a perfect opportunity for you to sit in your mind and your heart and ask yourself, what's my why? 
What's my why? Because that's where your motivation is. That's where it comes from. We have communion back here, and I think in a couple other spots in the back. But in this moment, I really simply want you to think about what is, what is your why? As Paul presents it, as he tries to remind us to think about eternal things. What's your why? I want to share with you one other verse uh, Paul closes with in chapter 4 there. If you can pull that up. He closes out with this line. And I, I, Paul says this a few different times. One time he says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And I'm always kind of like, man, that, that's, that's really hard to say, right? You have to have some confidence in your faith and, and what you're living to say, watch me and, and do this. But I think that's kind of what our goal is, is to, to, to hear the words that Paul's saying, to think about these things. And he says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And so this week, as you walk into it, Think about what's your why and think about can you say these words to people to where you can go, hey, watch what I'm living and do that. I told you this church would show up. I, I, I can tell you I can tell you a hundred stories about it. And so this morning I'm just sitting here thinking about you. If you are worried about something, if you have something on your heart, on your mind, if something you we can pray for you about, they'll show up for you. And, and the, if you have something of praise as well, they'll, they'll show up and praise God with you as well. So this morning, if you have some need or something we can pray about, come now as we stand and sing.